you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Stephen Hassan, the cult expert who wrote the Bite Model, said some stuff recently that needs to be addressed. He endorsed J.K. Rowling and said there's a trans cult that's basically converting people who wouldn't otherwise be trans. We need to talk about it. Jesus wasn't perfect, was he? Wait, was Jesus perfect? According to Don Lemon from CNN, no, he wasn't perfect. And evangelicals are pissed. Dude is dealing with the wrath of God for his claim about Jesus. From their reaction, you'd think he killed somebody. So what did he say? What did he mean? Let's give it a listen. The Equality Act. Seems like something everybody should be able to get on board with, right? Not Pat Robertson. He is particularly persnickety about it. I knew he could be pretty persnickety, but this is a precarious position over which to be pretty persnickety. Let's see what persnickety Pat has to say about the Equality Act. But first, let's listen to some voicemails. Don't forget, if you want to call in and leave a voicemail, the number is 1-800-701-8573. Hey, this is Owen. If you're comfortable, leave your first name and state at the sound of the tiny truck backing up. Uh, this is Jordan from Washington State, not D.C. I was wondering if you could look into the trans right activists um, for the, using the bite model. Because I've, I've seen that they have, they, explain, they do a lot of thought control, information control. They call um, women who disagree with them. You can't disagree with them. If you are, you, they call you. And the B word, the C word, and terse, and just and all that. And they don't leave any, any, um, they can't let you uh, discuss it or anything. You have to agree or else you're a bigot. And I just, I don't know. And no one, it's just, it's, they, they seem like a cult or heading that way, and it's scary. And I don't know. I was hoping, like, as a man of science, you could look into it and see if they are using some cult methods. So, um, if you don't want to, that's okay. But I was hoping if you could. Thank you. Bye. The question is, the question posed by the title of the video and by the voicemail is, are trans people in a cult? And I was just going to overlook this question largely because at its face, it seems kind of absurd, right? Are trans people in a cult? I actually talked about this roughly in a video a while back. I think the video's title on my main channel is something like, Is the Fat Acceptance Movement a Cult? or something like that. And I talked about the cult-like mindset and the cult-like aspects behind veganism, anti-SJWs, SJWs, and the fat acceptance movement. There is something to it, but I want to be very clear about what I'm saying. Um, I don't believe that trans people are in, are in a cult. That is, that is absurd at its face. Black Lives Matter's supporters are not in a cult. That's absurd at its face. No. But follow me through as we look a little bit deeper into it and just think about what I have to say on the subject. Let's take a quick glance at Stephen Hassan's Twitter and see what he had to say about it. Okay, so this is Stephen Hassan's Twitter account. He tweeted this out recently. He said, this is pretty long. I retweeted a J.K. Rowling tweet and weighed in as a mental health professional who has written four books on cult mind control and how to help those who have been harmed and their families. I spent over four decades in the field of research in helping those who have been harmed by undue influence. My website is freedomofmind.com, and I've blogged for human rights, against conversion therapy, and for gay and trans rights. Okay. So it's all out on the table now. We know your credentials and your qualifications to speak on the subject and how you feel about gay and trans rights in general. Let's get to the point. A couple of years ago, I was approached by Lisa Marichano. I don't know that person. A therapist who wanted to know my opinion 
on the phenomenon of young people being drawn into a cult-like situation where all of a sudden they thought they were the opposite sex. I was very skeptical as I also have close friends who are gay and a few friends who are trans, but my philosophy is to be open-minded and started reading, watching documentaries, and asked to interview detransitioners to better understand their experience. I became convinced that in these people's cases, they were indeed socially influenced, much of it online, to believe they must transition. Okay, let's, let's pause here for a second. Earlier I mentioned that I did a video on the veganism movement and things like that. How can a movement be a cult? I've been studying the bite model, the exa model, and lots of cult influence tactics, compliance tactics for years and years. And I can tell you this, one thing that you find within cults is, a, is unification. It's unification of thought, complete unification. People say generalized statements don't apply to people. You shouldn't use general statements, right? Not all blank believe this thing. Not all blank feel that way. Cults are the one exception to that generalization rule. All Jehovah's Witnesses are against blood transfusions. All of them. If you don't follow this dogma, this part of the Jehovah's Witness belief system, then you're not a Jehovah's Witness. They will kick you out if you get a blood transfusion permanently. You'll lose everything. All Scientologists believe psychology is bad, for example. Generalized statements apply to cults because there's such strong unity of thought. And the reason there's strong unity of thought is because there's behavior modification. They're forming out a personality. They're forming out a unique personality that best suits the group. There, you don't find that unification of thought among black protesters who are, who are protesting the George Floyd uh, murder at this moment. You don't find that among them. I, they all have different belief systems. Like Kanye West was out there protesting with them. Kanye West is a Trump supporter. You find broad diversity of thought among lots of social movements. Look at, for example, Buck Angel. That's diversity of thought. Buck Angel is a, a trans person who transitioned I think in the 80s or the 90s and has very different views about trans issues than a lot of younger trans people. There's wide diversity of thought. So it's absurd to say that being trans is a cult. That's absurd at its face, period, full stop. It's not a cult to be trans. But what Hassan is saying here in his tweet thread, let's go back to Hassan's tweet and just read this last little section here. There was a therapist who wanted to know my opinion on the phenomenon of young people being drawn into a cult-like situation where all of a sudden they thought that they were the opposite sex. Started reading, watching documentaries, and asked to interview detransitioners to better understand their experience. I became convinced that in, peop in these people's cases, they were indeed socially influenced, much of it online. This is where the cult aspect comes in. I talked about this in a video, and I also talked about it on my website. I call it the extremism gradient. So you'll find these little pockets of social media spaces, like social media groups, Facebook groups, Telegram groups, uh, Twitter DMs, things like that, where people will post more and more radical ideas and their peers will come into the group and upvote, upvote, upvote. You see it on Reddit, too. They'll get really excited. The more extreme the idea is, people are like, yeah, you're all in, you're with us. This recognition of this phenomenon led me to split cults into different tiers, different levels. This is part of my PowerPoint presentation on this subject, which I wrote this forever ago, and it's I'm, I'm writing a book about it at this immediate moment, but this phenomenon that we're talking about right now is what I call a level one cult or a tier one cult. It's decentralized and non-focused. Like Jehovah's Witnesses would be a level three cult because it's centralized and it's hierarchical. It's very focused. There are, there's strong unity of thought. There's strong leadership. They have dogma and everything else. Level two cults 
are basically groups that are decentralized but very focused on one specific figure. So there, there isn't necessarily a hierarchy to speak of. There aren't generals or deacons like you see with centralized hierarchical cults like Scientology or Jehovah's Witnesses. There's one single figure that's making the dogma as they go. An example would be Donald Trump. Cults of personality, generally speaking, are, would be considered t- level two cults. And level one cults are what we're talking about right here. Decentralized, non-focused. There's no specific dogma that you have to follow, and there's almost no unity of thought. It's just all across the board. Nobody really has any specific outlined written down rules of what to believe. But the more extreme your beliefs are, the higher your status is in the group, which kind of forms out like an organic hierarchy. Level one cults don't start out being hierarchical, but as time goes on in the social media group, they become hierarchical. And the more likes you get on a post because of the more extreme things that you post there, the higher your status is. That's kind of how it works. So are trans people a cult? The answer is no. That is completely absurd at its face. No. Are there cults within every movement, within the veganism movement, within the anti-vax movement, within flat earth, every, every single movement? Yes, they, they all have their, their little social media pockets of cults level one cults that get progressively more extreme. With all that being said, let's continue reading what Hassan said. I don't want to demonize the guy. I don't want to take an uncharitable interpretation of what he's saying because he's plenty smart, obviously. I mean, he wrote the bite model. He's been in this for decades. But he's generalizing a little bit here is how I feel. And he's generalizing against a marginalized group, and I just think that's bullshit. So, anyway, let's continue reading his tweet thread and see what it says, because it gets a little bit more interesting. They told me they were sleep-deprived, which, by the way, is a point on the bite model. Some described the praise and support they got for saying that they were trans made them feel loved, but the most surprising and upsetting thing was that some told me they watched hypnoporn. Like I said, this is tiny little pockets of the internet, tiny little social media pockets that have organic hierarchy formation. Like this is all my own research that I'm giving you guys right now. This isn't necessary. This isn't from Hassan or anybody. This is just what I've experienced and what I've seen and what I'm writing about right now. Let's just read a little bit more because he, he has more to say about it. The most surprising and upsetting thing was that some told me they watched hypnoporn. I had no idea what they were talking about and asked for some URLs. After my deprogramming from the moon cult in 1976, I became interested in mind control and in 1980 went to my first workshop, an NLP workshop by Richard Bandler, and discovered the power of Ericksonian hypnotic techniques. These are what Tony Robbins learned and marketed without saying it was neuro-linguistic programming. I'm going to talk about NLP a little bit later, too. I did multiple trainings in NLP, and I even moved to Santa Cruz to apprentice John Grinder, the other co-founder of it. It was powerful and provided a methodology to understand cult mind control. I came to understand NLP was amoral, meaning the system of influence was entirely dependent on the ethics of the practitioner. I distanced myself from it as they marketed it to salespeople and corporate types. I wanted to know about Milton Erickson, the psychiatrist who NLP was based on, but needed a master's degree to receive ethical training in hypnosis from health professionals. I've been attending workshops and giving them ever since. What I watched in hypnoporn, in my opinion, was weapons grade, mind control, and if a person watches it, especially if they were at a low point in their life, confused, stoned, are friends with a bunch of trans folks, they could be profoundly influenced to, for example, believe they were a woman in a man's body. Let me be clear. I am for human rights, for gay and trans rights. I'm against conversion therapy, quote-unquote. But what I've come to learn is that young people are not getting good ethical counseling regarding their traumas, their body image issues, their gayness, especially if they're raised in homophobic environments. They're being rushed 
into taking hormones and in some cases surgery. And then sometimes years later, realize they've made a big mistake to transition. For those people, detransitioners have told me they've been harassed, treated as a traitor, exactly what cults do to defectors. This is not right. So I wish to add my voice to the mental health experts speaking up to say that we need to stop polarization and conflict and have a more educated, nuanced point of view when it comes to human beings. Things are not binary, all or nothing. Transition or die was the ideology. Versus maybe transition, let me research, let me go for expert counseling, let me not be isolated from my family and friends by an all or nothing position, and let me do what is right for me. Taking powerful hormones is not benign. They are, there are side effects. Get second and third opinions. Take your time. Please visit my website and blah, blah, blah. So about this hypnoporn thing, I actually looked it up. Um, I like looked up the category and watched it because the impression that I'm getting from, uh, from Hassan's tweets here is that he's saying that he watched this and was borderline becoming hypnotized by it. I have historically been extremely skeptical about hypnotism. I think hypnotism is pseudoscience. There's probably something to it. And honestly, I, I have not researched it enough to say with any complete certainty that it's pseudoscience. But that's the impression I get of hypnotism right now. So that's kind of where I sit with it at this moment. In the movie and the book, I believe, Clock, A Clockwork Orange, they depict this person basically sitting in this chair, strapped to the chair, with his eyes, like, held open by these little plastic things. And they're playing a video that's like a brainwashing video to try to brainwash him into believing something, right? That's not really how it works. That's not how it works at all. There is zero truth or accuracy to that. It's completely fabricated. It's, it's just like an imaginary world where that's how brainwashing works. It's not how it works. But that's the impression that I'm getting from Stephen Hassan. I'm getting the impression that that's what he was saying this is. It's that kind of thing where, you, you know, you sit down and you watch this thing and all of a sudden you're trans, to me, it comes across as somebody who's afraid that people who play video games or violent video games are going to exhibit violent tendencies. Um, that's just been debunked. Like, that's just nonsense. Like, the whole thing is nonsense to me. This whole hypnoporn thing, it's nonsense. I don't buy it. I'm open to being convinced by Hassan if he wants to email me. We have emailed back and forth before. We've corresponded. He's been on my channel. Open to changing my mind about any of these subjects. As it stands, this just sounds like nonsense to me, truthfully. I felt like I needed to address this subject because I talk about Stephen Hassan's work a lot on my channel, the Byte model and the influence continuum and everything. I can't ignore this. I appreciate what he's doing, trying to call attention to something that he sees as an issue, but my big issues with this right now are, first of all, he shouted out J.K. Rowling, which is, she's objectively monstrous. She is just a very harmful, objectively harmful anti-science person. So I, I do not respect the fact that he retweeted her or is throwing his support behind her. That's really messed up, honestly, to me. This bit about hypnoporn is really, really confusing to me. Like I said, I, I did watch some of this stuff that my viewers or my followers on Twitter told me which category they thought that it was. So I watched some of it, and it was basically just regular stuff with like a lo-fi beat behind it. That was about it. I'm having trouble buying into the premise of hypnosis anyways, but claiming that hypnosis is being used to basically brainwash people through this A Clockwork Orange style video is completely absurd. 
I have studied compliance techniques of the Chinese during uh, 1980s on prisoners of war. I've studied compliance techniques like NLP, like street epistemology. I've studied all kinds of different types of brainwashing and mind control. Nothing here is making any sense to me. This hypnoporn thing is not adding up. I do not buy it. I'm sorry. So that's the second thing I have a problem with. Now, the third thing that I have a problem with regarding Stephen Hassan's tweet thread is the fact that he's heavily generalizing, throwing his weight behind somebody who is anti-trans and anti-science, and basically saying that being trans is... There's a very high probability that you are trans because you were unduly influenced or because of mind control. I understand that that may be the case with some people, like some members of these level one decentralized non-focused cults. That may be the case for some of them. We need to get really, really specific with what we're talking about here and not generalize because this is a marginalized group and it's particularly important that we get this right because if we get this wrong, it could lead to a lot of harm for marginalized communities. I feel like Hassan was not specific enough. He's throwing his weight behind somebody who is anti-science and harmful to people. And he's throwing out nonsensical words like hypnoporn. That's my main issue with Stephen Hassan. Now, there's one more thing that I wanted to touch on. Uh, This is a really long segment. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, But I really feel like I need to touch on this. Hassan says that he studied NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. What is Neuro Linguistic Programming? Neuro Linguistic Programming is basically a form of compliance. Uh, it, it's a form of manipulating people, pretty much. So let me ask you guys this. What's the first word that comes to mind when you hear the term car salesman? The first word I think of is scumbag. In a lot of cases, car salesmen, for example, will read books about neuro-linguistic programming. The goal behind neuro-linguistic programming is manipulating people to get something that you want. I read a book about it recently to get an idea of, you know, the mindset and, and, and the compliance techniques that people use to try to manipulate people. The entire book was just this person basically explaining the tactics, which is pretty straightforward. It's just basically pushing logical fallacies on people like the bandwagon effect, uh, the sunk costs fallacy. Don't quit now. You've already got so much invested. There's also, there are things like mirroring. If they cross their legs, then you should cross your legs. Uh, You don't want to do it too obviously or people catch on to it using their name a lot, looking in their eyes, directly in their eyes while you talk to them, things like that. It's little tricks to kind of try to manipulate people's uh, psyche to make them trust you more and then pushing things on them, talking about things that they like. Like if you're trying to sell them a car and you get in their car, you get in their trunk, you say, hey, I see you had some camping equipment in your trunk. I love getting out of the city. Try to relate something back and make yourself seem more like them. That's kind of the technique. And the rest of the book, outside of describing the techniques, the rest of the book was like disturbing narcissistic bullshit. It's talking about how great you are and how amazing you are and you, you got good grades and you're such a strong person. And it's saying it, the book is saying it to you as though it's speaking to you because it, it wants to pump you up. It, it wants you to feel powerful. That's the idea behind NLP. The best liar believes their own lies. If you believe that you're confident, you will be confident. It's, you have to modify your personality, just like cults do. 
for NLP to work, for you to be able to successfully use neuro-linguistic programming. You have to modify your personality to be that of a person who is willing to manipulate people, who has a lot of confidence in who they are, and knows what they want, and is ready to get it at any cost. That's the premise behind NLP. I wouldn't say it's amoral. Stephen Hassan says it's amoral. I would go as far as to say it is immoral. It is contrary to morality to use NLP, I believe. Because you're basically trying to manipulate people to get something that that they have. In the case of a car salesman, you're manipulating them into giving you their money. Or giving you their sale. Anyways, those I, I want to do a longer video on like NLP and compliance techniques and things like that. Um, it, it, it's going to take time to do a long form video on it because I got to think through what I, I want to say about it. But uh, that's the premise of it. So anyways, I'm not really happy with Stephen Hassan right now, but I just wanted to put my thoughts on record about it because people have been asking me what I thought about it for days and I did tweet out a, a, a bit about how I felt. And I thought about talking to Hassan about it, but I don't know. I haven't talked to him about it yet. We'll see if that happens in the future. I don't know. Time will tell. Hello, Owen. My name's Jackson, and I am from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Other, in other words, the infamous Trump rally location a few days ago. So anyways... Uh, my question has to do with the idea of naturalism, and so I was kind of wondering your opinion on this. So it seems to me, as a Christian, that uh, if the universe came about six, around 16 billion years ago due to the Big Bang, and then it seems more probable that there would be a creator or some sort of kick-starting process to start it off. And however, if the universe was discovered to be eternal, then it would be more likely that naturalism is the cause of the universe. Anyways, I just wanted to hear your thoughts on this. Um, I haven't really heard much of an argument from the atheist perspective on this, but love to hear it and see ya. I appreciate that. Okay. So the premise was, if I got this straight the premise was that if the universe is not eternal i.e if it does have a starting point there must have been a god if if it is eternal if there was no starting point it'd be more likely that there is no god it's an interesting argument that you're presenting i think that from my perspective from what i'm seeing it's kind of a non sequitur I don't really see how you're getting from A to B. If you wanted to structure it more like a, a syllogism, it could be helpful. I just, I'm not seeing the premises that I would need to see to reach that conclusion right now. I.e., I don't see why the universe being young would imply a creator. I don't see why the universe being 14 billion years old instead of eternal implies a creator. A creator doesn't have to be the thing that creates it. It could just spontaneously explode. We have no idea. And the beginning of wisdom are the words I don't know, as they say. Hey, Owen. This is Ian from Idaho. Um, as a right-leaning atheist, I've been seeing a lot of atheists from specifically the right side of the political spectrum come out and to me it's kind of uh weird to say that i'm republican or libertarian because they're very christian oriented and i was wondering if in the near future in your opinion there would be kind of a resurgence of right-leaning atheists that kind of form their own political party not centered around christianity and its morals but just their own personal belief systems thank you Extremely interesting question. I really appreciate you calling in with that. Um, atheists have been trying to kind of form out their own political voting block for a while. Back in 2016, I went to the Reason Rally, and they basically, they had 
David Silverman there originally, like years and years ago, of course. And he was the whole premise behind the 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 rally was to try to get atheists recognized as a legitimate voting block. That's why it was held at the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C., so that politicians would recognize that atheists are serious and we're big and we have political sway. Now, as far as the whole Republican slash libertarian bit goes, um, between 2014 and 2018, I guess you could say, at the height was 2016, there were a lot of atheists turning very right-wing. They were conservatives when it comes to social issues, strangely. They were anti-SJWs. Now, I know SJWs, in a lot of ways, go way fucking too far. Way, way too far. They are way out in la-la land in a lot of cases, SJWs are. But anti-SJWs are the mirror reverse of that. They are way out there, too, on the other end of the spectrum. In some cases, it gets really extreme. A good example is... God, I I really don't like name-calling, but I'm going to drop a name now. A good example would be Bering. I think he was an atheist YouTuber forever ago, or at least he was an atheist spheres. And he was an anti-SJW, and he lived in Australia. And when the Australian what referendum i think it was when the australian referendum came around asking do you think gay marriage should be allowed he came out with a video you know 200 300,000 subscribers at the time saying no because i want to stick it to the sjw's basically like what you're you're stunting social progress to stick it to sjw's that's ridiculous another example is uh like dave rubin Um, he went from left wing to right wing in a relatively short amount of time. And it was a very bizarre political shift. I don't think I've ever seen somebody's political beliefs shift so radically over such a short amount of time. It was very, very bizarre. Computing Forever went from being an atheist... Dave Cullen, I think his name is, went from being an atheist to an anti-SJW to a conservative Catholic. What the hell happened? Now, I I don't know what's going on with Armored Skeptic, but he has said that he believes in ghosts. He said that he wonders if God is out there. He he says he believes in conspiracy theories. I don't know. I have no fucking clue what's going on with that dude. I don't know if, if what he's saying is a joke or not. And honestly, that's a problem. If you can't tell if it's a joke or not, that's an issue. Because some people, at least some out there, are going to assume it's not a joke and take you seriously. So, anyway, I think largely those YouTubers are, are moving away from influence within the atheist community. They aren't really in the atheist community anyways anymore. Armored Skeptic and TJ Kirk and whoever else, they're really not YouTube atheists anymore. They're the skeptic community, not the atheist community. I mean, I replaced them. Me, Mr. Atheist, and a whole bunch of other people all kind of came in and replaced those old old guys. And we aren't conservative, nor are we SJWs or anti-SJWs. We are liberal. We stand up for human rights and inclusion wherever possible. So I think the atheist landscape on YouTube, at least, has changed for the better. Now, there are some atheist organizations out there that are very, very liberal, and, and I'm all for it. American Atheists, um, Freedom From Religion Foundation, very liberal organizations in a lot of ways, and I am all for it. I think they're doing the right thing, fighting for inclusion and fighting for our rights as humans. Awesome causes, awesome groups, awesome people. Then there are some atheist organizations who are SJWs in the derogatory bad way. Really extreme 
atheist groups, really extreme leadership that's straight up harmful, in my honest opinion. And there are some anti-SJW atheist organizations. But those are on the fringes, largely. The big ones, the consequential ones, are honest, fighting for inclusion, and doing their best, and I respect them. Hey, this is Owen. If you're comfortable, leave your first name and state at the sound of the tiny truck backing up. Does sound like a tiny truck backing up. How you doing, Owen? My name is John. I'm from New York. I've been uh, following your videos for a while now. And I was coming across a topic from my own research that no one really has talked about. Uh, what do you think of the different Mormon denominations? Uh, the Brighamite-centric one that is the largest LDS church that we know of here in the U.S. That seems to be like the dominant one that everyone talks about. But do you know anything about the uh, offshoots? I think it's like the Community of Christ Church. I'm not really too sure. Uh, how do you think that they fit on the bite model? It would be great to hear your ideas about this as it's not really a well-known topic or one that's talked about. Uh, I actually only found out that there were denominations about it from Brother Jake. So if you could just let us know, that would be absolutely awesome. I want to hear your take, and thanks for the uh, the videos, and keep up the good work, my friend. While I'm thinking about it, let me just give a shout-out to who he mentioned. He said Brother Jake is where he heard this from. Brother Jake is the shit. I love Brother Jake. He's got a YouTube channel. He's really small. In fact, I think I may be one of his patrons still. He's got 17,000 subscribers, or 17,500. He does not upload very often. It's rare. In fact, the last one he uploaded was nine months ago, it looks like, unfortunately. I heard he had a stroke on the DL. I don't, I don't know if that's the case or not, but completely phenomenal YouTuber. He's got 30 videos. Every single one of those 30 videos is worth watching. Every one of them. But yeah, he, he talks about the branches of Mormonism on his channel. And a lot of it comes down to lines of succession and disputes among those lines of succession. So when Joseph Smith died, there was a dispute as to whether or not Joseph Smith's son should take over. He was like 12 or something at the time. Or should one of the leaders take charge? Or one of the other people actually had a signed letter from Joseph Smith saying, hey, I'm, he wanted me to be the leader. And basically, Brigham Young, from my understanding, is the one who took charge of the biggest branch that's there today, the LDS Church, Latter-day Saints. Uh, Brigham Young is the, the succession line that they came from, I believe. But those other lines of succession, those are still out there. As the caller mentioned, Community of Christ, I believe, is one of them. FLDS is another one. A whole bunch of lines of succession. And it's really, really fascinating. Some of them are really extreme cults, and others are a lot more relaxed. Maybe I should do like a whole breakdown of like all the different lines of succession. That could be pretty interesting. Before we take a break, let me read the... Uh, the Super Chats. Evan Inge, what effect do you think that social media has on the ability to have cults form? What differences do we see between today's cults and historic cults? Do you think they are more prevalent and why? Yeah, they are definitely more prevalent. Uh, modern day cults are more, more prevalent and more insidious because with the existence of the internet, it's harder to insulate yourself into a bubble that, that's completely closed off from outside information. Back in the day, you used to be able to live in a mansion with a bunch of other cult members and never see or hear anything outside of what the cult leader brought in. Cults rely heavily on information control. Back in the 50s, it used to be like the cult members would only get the information that you had uh, to give them, and they wouldn't get any other information. But now you have to understand that they're going to get all kinds of information because you can't hide them from the internet. I mean, the, everybody has the internet now. It's everywhere. It's impossible to escape. So cults heavily rely on poisoning the well, which is to say, if a story gets big enough about a cult, 
then they have to address it before the other members hear about it. So if it, if it gets big enough, then they will talk about why the apostates are so wrong to think this and blah, blah, blah. They'll give the cult members the defense. Like if CNN and MSNBC and Reuters and Fox News are all talking about the fact that Jehovah's Witnesses are dealing with a serious CSA problem or child abuse problem, there's a high probability that some people within the group are going to hear about it. So they want to address that beforehand, before the members hear about it. And they have. Jehovah's Witnesses have. They've poisoned the well. They talked about how, you know, Jehovah's people are so protective of the young ones and blah, blah, blah. That's in large part how cults differ today from back in the day. Information control has had to change a lot since the advent of the internet. Now it's switched more to propaganda that's designed to go out to large swaths of people versus preventing them from seeing any negative information in the first place. Zolfner, I'm here. Not okay with the atmosphere. How's Owen? I hope he grew a ball. One singular ball? <laughs> Thank you for the super chat, Zolfner. I really appreciate that. Oh, Thank you for coming. J.K. Rowling isn't trans. Do your research. Yeah, I, I didn't think she was trans. I know she's not. J.K. Rowling is very anti-science, though. Why is J.K. Rowling bad? I don't keep up with her. She is what's called a TERF, a uh, trans-exclusionary radical feminist. I believe that she even uses that term for herself. I don't really know how to word it to be extremely precise, but she wrote an essay recently about trans issues that was pretty fucked up. One of these days, I may go through it on air and read it and talk about what my issues are with it, but that day is not today. Uh, there are some people who've talked about J.K. Rowling and her issues in the past. In fact, I think I've done a video about J.K. Rowling in the past on the podcast. Just give it a look and see what I said at that time. Just go to YouTube and search J.K. Rowling Telltale. It should come up. When we come back, we're going to talk about Don Lemon from CNN claiming that Jesus wasn't perfect and the storm of angry Christians raining down on him. So give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. The next article I want to take a look at is entitled Conservative Christians Lash Out After CNN Anchor Says Jesus Was Not Perfect, quote unquote. This is by Hemant Mehta on the Friendly Atheist website. So let's give this article a read and see what it says. During a handoff segment on CNN Monday night, anchor Don Lemon was making the point that a lot of people who were revered in our country, the Founding Fathers, President Lincoln, weren't perfect, and we need to acknowledge their imperfections when considering their legacies. Seems sensible. But then, as an example, he brought up Jesus. So let's give this video a watch and see what Don Lemon had to say about good old Jesus. The Trumpers, as you say, right? It's not just the Trump apologists and the Trump supporters. It's very well-meaning liberals as well who are, are feeling these things. And if you're having those feelings, then maybe that, that means that you have a conscience about it. And that that's actually the right feeling to have. And you should be engaged in a discussion. But here's the thing. Jesus Christ, if you believe in, if, you, if that's who you believe in, Jesus Christ, admittedly was not perfect when he was here on this earth. So why are we deifying the founders of this country, many of whom own slaves and in the Constitution, the original? Okay, let's just pause for a second. Look at, is, who is this, Chris Cuomo? I think that's Chris Cuomo. He's like the governor of New York's brother. Andrew Cuomo, I believe, is the governor of New York. This is Chris Cuomo. Look at his eyes. He looks like a, a deer in the headlights. What did you just say? Did you say Jesus isn't perfect? Uh-oh. It's going to get ugly. Let's keep watching. They didn't want uh, 
they, they put slavery in there that that slavery uh, should should be abolished because it was the way the king wanted. And then the, the Congress said, no way. And so they had to come up with an alternative about three fifths of a man. Well, they and on knew and on and on and on. they knew so, that they had an inconsistency with there their you logic. Go. So All they're not men perfect. Are created equal. They're not except perfect. these men. We have to stop deifying them. And and so yes, they did some great things, and they created a constitution and a you know, uh, a blueprint for us that wasn't perfect at the time, and that's good, but they weren't perfect either. And so as Americans, all of us should come together and have these conversations and get together and stop letting someone divide us. No one is perfect. Nothing is perfect. Not even the founding fathers. Nothing. Okay, that's that's good enough for me. Um, we're about halfway through. I think that's a sound message. Generally speaking, nobody is perfect. Not even the founding fathers completely agree. There were some inconsistencies. What was it? The Constitution or the Declaration of Independence that said all men are created equal? Um, I think it was a Declaration of Independence. Anyways. There is a discrepancy there because they owned slaves at the time. Although Britain hadn't outlawed, outlawed slavery yet either at that time. But either way, there was a, a discrepancy. How do you deal with that? The Founding Fathers should not be deified or mythologized about. The important part to make note of here is the fact that he said Jesus wasn't perfect. I think that's really funny for a couple of reasons. First of all, I agree, I guess, if Jesus was actually a real person, which I'm skeptical about. He did a lot of things that were pretty wrong, or that a lot of people would consider to be wrong, or immoral. But that's part of the doctrine of Christianity. Jesus was perfect. You have to have a perfect Jesus for the sacrifice to work. Like, God sent his son or himself however you want to believe that, to earth to be sacrificed as a perfect man to replace the imperfection of Adam and Eve. So he died for our sins as a perfect man. If Jesus wasn't perfect, doctrinally speaking, then the sacrifice was pointless, pretty much. So let's continue reading the article and see what Hemant Mehta had to say on the subject. This is a quote from the video. Jesus Christ, if that's who you believe in, Jesus Christ admittedly was not perfect when he was here on this earth. So why are we deifying the founders of this country, many of whom own slaves? Uh, this is Hemant Mehta speaking. As you might expect, the Christian right has been in an uproar all week, having found a new distraction that allows them not to address Donald Trump's incompetence. They're mad because, in their view, Jesus was absolutely perfect in all ways. He had to be. He couldn't have died for your sins unless he was blameless. That's true. MAGA cultist Pastor Robert Jeffress called the comments heretical. Mike Huckabee went with blasphemy. One conservative outlet called Lemon a fool. <laughs> the Christian Broadcasting Networks, which is CBN, uh, CBN is what Pat Robertson airs on a 700 club and stuff the christian broadcasting networks david brody practically had a twitter aneurysm saying lemon and cnn couldn't be trusted over such a stupid pointless little thing it blows my mind but since we're on the subject let's talk about what jesus did jesus once got so angry he flipped over tables and benches i think i remember that was that the money changers at the temple i think that there were money changers there uh basically profiting off of the goings-on at the temple, and Jesus was so pissed off that he ran over and flipped the tables with all the money and everything and the merchandise on them. Christians get around that by saying, oh, it was righteous anger. It's okay to have righteous anger. Jesus cursed a fig tree because it didn't have anything to eat, because figs weren't in season, and then the tree died. Jesus killed a tree because he was hangry. <laughs> Jesus admitted to speaking in parables that were difficult for people to understand and then got mad when people didn't understand them. That's true. Jesus got snippy when people asked him why he didn't wash his hands. Jesus' actions led to the deaths of a whole bunch of pigs angering an entire town. So either we have to acknowledge Jesus could be a jerk at times despite whatever other redeeming qualities we want to assign him, or, like the conservative Christians are doing, we can pretend Jesus was perfect because our faith requires it, even when the Bible itself has plenty of evidence to the contrary. Instead of talking about that, though, 
Those Christians would rather argue that CNN is somehow anti-Christian because a throwaway line to make a valid point didn't align 100% with their personal religious beliefs. Imagine having the luxury to complain about that because you're too cowardly to admit racist people shouldn't have monuments in their honor. The disappointing thing about this is the fact that these little distractions keep working. Little distractions like this continue to successfully draw people's attention away from the serious issues going on right now. To put it in terms that Jesus said, I believe this is what Jesus said, or somebody said it in the Bible, don't worry about the splinter in your neighbor's eye when there's a rafter in yours. Like, there's so much going on right now in the world. Trump is basically gone dictator mode at this point. And Christians are worried about Don Lemon contradicting some little piece of doctrine inadvertently, probably didn't even mean to, to make a broader point. I just don't understand where these people's heads are at. But it's not just Republicans or evangelicals that get distracted this easily. I mean, Democrats and liberals, more generally speaking, get distracted that easily, too. It's kind of the nature of propaganda, generally speaking. Now, I don't, I don't think Don Lemon intended for this to be propaganda, but it is effectively acting as distraction propaganda. There's a type of propaganda that people will use to distract from a broader issue. Like, if you notice... Every time Trump does something really, really wrong, like genuinely stupid or something, he will do something that is just as wrong, but couldn't get him in trouble to, to drag people's attention away from it. That's called distraction propaganda. Whether Don Lemon intended for that to be the, the situation here or not, that's effectively what it's acting as. It just sucks that our brains are so easily manipulated, honestly. Let's give some of these Super Chats a read real fast, and then we'll put the break. J.K. Rowling isn't trans. Do your research, says Zolfner. I don't... Yeah, I don't think she's trans. Let's see. Zolfner. Sorry, drunk. J.K. Rowling isn't turf. Oh, I see. She is. I believe she said that she's turf. Uh, in a recent essay, I believe... I could be wrong. Maybe she didn't admit to this or whatever, but I was pretty confident that J.K. Rowling said that she is a turf. Like, trans-exclusionary radical feminist. I believe that she said that. Um, I could be incorrect, but either way, that's what she is, even if she didn't outright say it. She is. Uh, Nervardia, thanks for doing this on a Monday, Telltale. You keep telling me it's a Monday. Uh, it's a Sunday. Everywhere in the world, sick of hearing that it's a Monday because it's not, and you know it's not, and you're trying to fuck with me, and it's just not going to work. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Equality Act and persnickety Pat Robertson precariously perching himself on this hill. So give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. So the next article I want to take a look at is entitled, Pat Robertson, If the Equality Act Passes, God Will Destroy America. That's a pretty lofty claim, so let's give it a read and see what it has to say. This is by Hemant Mehta. During today's episode of the 700 Club, during a discussion about the Equality Act, which would protect LGBTQ people from employment discrimination, Pat Robertson claims that passing the bill would lead God to destroy America because there's nothing the Christian God hates more than civil rights. Well, I mean, the bastardized version of Christianity that evangelical Christians believe in today hates civil rights, certainly. I have to agree with you on that one. But what is the Equality Act? I wanted to read a little bit more about it just to kind of get an idea for, of what it is and, and 
why Christians hate it, basically. So let's just read this little section right here on this website, hrc.org, and see what it says. Is this Hillary? Oh, no, this is Human Rights Campaign. I thought it was going to be HillaryRodhamClinton.org, but no, it's Human Rights Campaign. What an acronym. So let's read it and see what it says. The Equality Act would provide consistent and explicit non-discrimination protections for LGBTQ people across key areas of life, including employment, housing, credit, education, public spaces and services, federally funded programs, and jury service. The Equality Act would amend existing civil rights law, including the Civil Rights Act of 1964, the Fair Housing Act, the Equal Credit Opportunity Act, the Jury Selection and Services Act, and several laws regarding employment with the federal government to explicitly include sexual orientation and gender identity as protected characteristics. The legislation also amends the Civil Rights Act of 1964 to prohibit discrimination in public spaces and services and federally funded programs on the basis of sex. Solid act! Who, who could complain against this? It's being inclusive and protecting people's rights. I don't, I don't get who could possibly be against this. I'm so for this. Additionally, the Equality Act would update the public spaces and services covered in current law to include retail stores, services such as banks and legal services, and transportation services. These important updates would strengthen existing protections for everyone. Decades of civil rights history show that civil rights laws are effective in decreasing discrimination because they provide strong federal remedies targeted to specific vulnerable groups. But explicitly including sexual orientation and gender identity in these fundamental laws, LGBTQ people will finally be afforded the exact same protections as other covered characteristics under federal law. Who could possibly complain about this? Who could possibly complain about this? This is such a straightforward yes vote. Seriously. If we want to make sure black folks are not discriminated against in job hiring practices or jury selection or selection and services or any other situation, if we want to make sure black people aren't being discriminated against in those situations, we should want to make sure nobody is. Why would anybody be in favor of discriminating against somebody based on anything? Just service people like you're supposed to. This is absurd. Why are you being exclusive? Why are you trying to exclude people from stuff? It blows my mind. Seriously. Anyways, point is, Pat Robertson had some things to say about the Equality Act. So let's continue reading. This is a quote from Right Wing Watch. Pat Robertson warns that passage of the Equality Act will cause God to destroy America. Let's watch this little clip and see what Pat Robertson says. What's going to happen to our country if we let that continue? It... it It'll be such a confused mess. And before long, a righteous God will do to us what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. We don't want that to happen. We don't want to have happen what happened to those old civilizations that have gone down the tube. This is the greatest nation on the face of the earth. But we can't do it if we violate God's law continuously. Okay. He says Sodom and Gomorrah went down the tubes because of their treatment of gay people, I guess, or whatever. Wrong. Pat Robertson has not read the Bible, obviously. Sodom and Gomorrah, the two cities, were supposedly destroyed because of their ill treatment of the poor, not because of their homosexual behavior or whatever. And for the record, God didn't destroy those cities. I don't know if I had to say that, but I'm just making sure that it's on record so everybody is aware that that story is made up anyways, even if the Bible did say it was because of their treatment of homosexuals. Complete bullshit from beginning to end. But anyway, let's continue reading what Hemant Mehta had to say here. This is a quote from the video. What's going to happen to our country if we let that continue? It'll be such a confused mess, and before long, a righteous God will do to us what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. We can't do it if we violate God's law continuously. This is Hemant Mehta speaking now. Somehow the country survived marriage equality in eight years under President Obama, but preventing Christian business owners from firing someone for being transgender will anger God so much that he'll throw burning sulfur on all of us. Here's a thought. Maybe the problem isn't LGBTQ people, but God's anger management issues. The Equality Act was passed by the House in May, but Republicans in the Senate won't act on it. Because of course they won't. Why would they? 
it would make a lot of people's lives significantly better, and that goes against everything Republicans stand for. I am not for hyper-partisanship. I have no issue with conservatives. No issue with conservatism in general. I, I love talking about this stuff. I love working through these ideas with people. I'm obviously on the more liberal side. I talk about uh, liberal ideals and things like that. But um, I'm not against conversation and debate. I love it. I love it. I love talking to conservatives about their beliefs and working through why they believe that, things like that. But the Republican Party and conservatism are two different things. The Republican Party, I believe, is forming a cult. I do not say that lightly. And there's a lot of nuance to it. But that's what I see happening. And Donald Trump is kind of leading that at this immediate moment. But there's almost like, it, it, it looks like there's almost a power struggle happening right now between like Donald Trump and the establishment Republicans. Like some of the establishment Republicans are siding with Trump and some aren't. It's really bizarre to see. And I would absolutely love to be a fly on the wall in some of those rooms where those conversations are taking place to see what people are saying. It would be fascinating. I just, I'm really concerned about the direction of the Republican Party, the direction that Donald Trump is taking people. But honestly, this kind of thing is very, very expected from Pat Robertson. I'm not even surprised to hear him say things like this. What surprises me is when I hear him side against Donald Trump or when I hear him say something critical of the Republican Party, like that blows my mind. And it does happen from time to time. It's rare, but it happens. I'll tell you what, let's read the Super Chats and see what they had to say. Raven Havis, Havis, Raven Havis, Raven Havis, maybe. Happy Monday, everybody. You're lying. You know, it's Sunday. You guys aren't going to trick me. This is bullshit. You know you're just trying to fuck me over. It's ridiculous. Uh, Evan Inge, it's official. We're starting a movement to make Australian time the new Greenwich Mean Time. Nervardia is a designated leader of this movement. It is not Monday, guys. It is Sunday. Quit fucking with me. Damn, guys. It's messed up. Zolfner, say it's Monday, Owen. All right, I'll tell you what. It's Monday. I lied. Actually, uh, I I was only willing to say that it's Monday because I know I can cut this out later. So it's Monday. I'm going to cut this out. Telltale needs to stop lying about it being Sunday. It's Monday. No, it's Sunday. And you know it's Sunday. You're fucking with me. This is like a, another tooth bunny thing, isn't it? Where you guys keep telling me it's the tooth fairy when it is, in fact, the tooth bunny and always has been. Like, fairies aren't tiny enough to crawl under pillows to get teeth. Bunnies are. Real fairies are like human size. I don't know what you guys are on about about fairies taking teeth what are fairies even going to do with teeth like bunnies love teeth they've got these giant teeth they're known for their giant teeth what do fairies have to do with teeth nothing you're just making it up i don't understand why you're lying about it evan inch third opinion nervardia it's morndas morndas zolfner oh the gaytheist says it's monday i agree i couldn't figure out why there were stars in that that's weird does it censor that automatically or are you censoring that because it won't let you super chat it if you have the word gay or whatever? That's really weird if it censors it for you. Really, really bizarre. Nervardia, it was a plebiscite and it tore our country apart. It wasn't necessary because John Howard changed it without consulting with the public. Interesting. Would you do a video on the different versions of cult models? Yeah, maybe, but there are only two cult models that I really follow largely, the Byte model and the Ixa model. And I really don't even follow the Ixa model that much. It's mostly the Byte model because the Ixa model is more designed to target religious cults. And the Byte model is organized in such a way that it can also address political cults and other types, cults of personality and things like that. So... Level one through level three cults, in my opinion. Anyway, Zolfner, if you cut out this and that it's Monday, I'll cry. Got it. Good. And I'll drink your tears. 
1134, the Tooth Fairy needs the teeth to level up to Bone Fairy. Okay, interesting. To Bone Fairy, huh? I thought that the Tooth Bunny was building fortresses with the teeth or something. I was pretty sure that's what the Tooth Bunny does with your teeth. Builds basically giant castles that are fortified and prepared to handle any siege. I appreciate you guys coming and giving this a listen, and I will talk to you next week. If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues, Issues, whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.